Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Mary Wynn Aragoni. She has a notable background as an IT systems manager with a 20-year career working for Procter & Gamble, working on various locations such as Chicago, New York, Brussels, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Mary decided she wanted to fill a dream of owning her own business, and she wanted to have a restaurant where she could share her Vietnamese heritage with others. She decided to open a restaurant where a diner could engage in food, travel, and tourism through the delectable Southeast Asian cuisine, specifically Vietnamese and Thai. In 2009, she finally launched her restaurant, Saigon Sisters, which was also the year when the economic climate was not conducive to new ventures. Yet Mary knew her background in corporate strategy, marketing, and analytics would serve her well, combined with the support of her encouraging mother, sister, and husband. At that moment, Mary began the realization of her dream. So sit back, relax, enjoy this chat with Mary Wynn Aragoni. So today we're sitting down with Mary Wynn Aragoni. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Awesome. So tell us what you do in one to two sentences. Okay, well, I am a restaurateur. I am bringing Vietnamese cuisine to Chicago, downtown, first of all. I like to um, expand the concept to more neighborhood in Chicago, but we do Vietnamese cuisine, specifically the banh mi, the pho, spring rolls, um, dining, delivery, catering, pickup. Mm-hmm. So this isn't always been your career path, has it? This is kind of no. something you fell into. Tell us a little bit about that, how that kind of all came to be. Sure. Well, um, about nine years ago, I left corporate America at Procter & Gamble. When you were 25 or 25? Yeah, when <laughs> 25. No, it was a long career, but it was a very, you know, fun and successful career, but it was not as fulfilling to me. <laughs> and when the market crashed, you know, there was so many decisions I have to make. They wanted me to move to um, a place that I did not want to move. So I want to stay in Chicago. So it was like a perfect timing for me to make that jump. You know, everybody when they work, they're like, oh, one day I'm going to quit and I'm going to do something, right? So that day was the day when I said, I'm going to quit and I'm going to stay in Chicago. I'm going to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. But I didn't exactly know what that is. Okay. Uh, it took me almost a year until I... Um, walked you know down the street and I saw this Chicago French market looking mm-hmm. for a vendor you know they were leasing his first time food hall in Chicago and I knew what that would be like because I lived in New York for a couple of years okay. and I was like why don't we have that here so I thought this is so cool and in a food hall you have all kinds of cuisine and mm-hmm. I don't know anything about restaurants and I've never worked in a restaurant but this would be like a little test and see if it works right. but not a lot of you know uh, 
output and capital. So all I need to do is uh, have equipment, sell just during lunch and I'm done, you know. So I took the, <clears throat> the leap and said, you know, I'm just going to give it a trial <laughs> and see if it works. Okay, so I uh, opened up the, the French market in 2010 and uh, it was like a huge success in the beginning and I couldn't, couldn't believe it, you know, that um, the welcome that we get, the food, people get it, they understand, you know, the cuisine and they want more and more and more and nine years later I now have three locations that has a Saigon sister brand and then I just created a new brand called Bang Chop Thai Kitchen mm -hmm. which is a Thai brand. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're going to kind of break down what you serve at each of them. So you said Vietnamese versus Thai. Mm -hmm. What's kind of the bigger differences between the two restaurants? Well, yeah. What kind of group Asian into like one group? I know. Like yeah. Asian. That's the thing. I don't like to do that. Um, I like to be clear to my customers and, 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 you know, and I grew up in Southeast Asia. So I definitely know the difference between Thai, Laotian, Vietnamese food, even Laotian and Thai, which is very similar. There's distinct difference, you know, uh, and within the country, there's difference in North, South region, all of that. Right. So I don't want to mix and confuse people. I want a real clear message. This is Vietnamese. This is Thai. So I don't combine them. Okay. But luckily I found a uh, place in the West Loop that is a block from each other and it complements each other. It's very easy for my staff to walk from one restaurant to the other to get ingredients or whatever. So um, this little spot came about and I said, I'm going to do Thai food there because I can't find really good Thai food downtown. Mm -hmm. And the lunch people, you know, they love alternative food than just sandwiches, you know, right. so. And it was a pretty like natural compliment to my Vietnamese concept and again I love to try error and error and see what you know see what works and I'm saying I don't see fast casual Thai either so I'm gonna try it out with this small space it's only a thousand square feet the kitchen is like the size of this room yeah. and um, yeah it's it's smaller than it's like in a New York apartment um, and it's been going really well for a year now and uh, I really like it there's certain things about it that needs to be tweaked. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so what's it like running, like, I guess, four restaurants? You mm -hmm. know, do you have a lot of people have an issue of relinquishing kind of power or managerial perspective, right? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of, did you have like that background where you kind of were under that, or how do you kind of give up, like, hey, you trust people to do things that mm -hmm. need to be done? Well, I think that um, you have to, if you have multiple places, you have to trust people mm -hmm. to do the job because you can't do everything, right? So um, luckily, I have very loyal um, employees mm -hmm. that can do multiple roles. Okay. So I move a lot of dishwashers up to lead cook and kitchen managers, okay. you know, so they, they really help me um, by just growing with the company and taking more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then I, I always know like whose strengths can do what and who can do multiple things. So if someone quit or someone's not there, there's somebody jumping in to do their job. And multiple restaurant is great too because then you can move people from one to the other place if okay. they want more hours or if you have to cover for somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to kind of leverage that. And um, I have to know how to do everything too because right. if... I have to jump in and help them, you know, even for an hour. That's very important. So I do that too, where um, 
I'm always around during lunch rush, it's called, from, you know, 12 to 1.30. Mm. Somebody's going to need my help somewhere about something, you know, yeah. whether um, it's a technology problem, a customer problem, or, you know, a cashier is sick or whatever, I can just jump in. If, if I'm not needed, I love talking to customers. Right. So I'm there, you know, making sure everything's good and running smoothly. How do you kind of uh, plan for that, right? So I worked in restaurants for mm-hmm. a couple of years, right? And someone, as you kind of were alluding to, someone's always sick or quitting or short-staffed in <laughs> yeah. regard. Like, All the time. When you're not at full capacity, do you just assume, like, you're going to cover and then just hope it's only one person missing? Or, like, how does the staff kind of plan for that kind of situation? There's, like, a, a custom to... Hey, fly by the seat of their pants, or what's kind of the go-to maneuver there? Um, so your question is, how do I staff it to cover for? Yeah. You know, absences, people, yeah. absences and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always like a manager, a chef, um, assistant manager. Mm-hmm. You know, a chain of command. You okay. know what I mean? So, so if let's say the chef, my chef, he needs to know to be front of the house right. and you know besides just the back of the house mm-hmm. so right now like for example you know he um, he's at the hospital location okay. so he's helping out with the lunch rush there mm-hmm. and if a cashier is not there he's going to jump in and do it you know okay. so i yeah so it's like he and then I have a manager that is always available if, like, a server is not there. Then he can jump and do that role. Okay. So everybody has to know how to do multiple roles. Okay. They're not just like, this is all I do, you right. know. Um, so that's how we cover ourselves. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, when you guys have the Viet and the Thai restaurants... Mm-hmm. Uh, can you go on a little bit more about what kind of differentiates you guys? Like you said, like very authentic, uh-huh. but there's infinite discussions and debates about what is authentic. Sure. I, mean, I just got in a huge argument yeah. with him the other day. I didn't well, listen to him ramble. But what is pho, authentic <laughs> sure. pho, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's only from the north and the south that they're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, do uh-huh. I have pho like six <laughs> times ever? I, I will listen to what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? So what kind of like really attracts people? Like you said, it's different than sandwiches, but like... Mm-hmm. I think the reason why people love fusion, I love fusion kind of places, like, mm-hmm. more so different cultures, not the same region. Like, uh, one of my favorite, like, restaurants in town for fast casual is, like, um, Soul Taco, where mm-hmm. it's Mexican and Korean, right? It's just yeah. so, so different, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I love that kind of stuff, but, like, for uh-huh. authentic stuff, I can't tell the difference. Like, sure, sure, oh, yeah. And I'm not, like, yeah. the classic Chinese, like, American food is uh-huh. orange chicken, yeah. which I'm, like, disgusted by because uh-huh. I served it a bunch in college. But, right. like, how do you guys kind of really push that on? Like, this is authentic, this is what you should really appreciate, uh-huh. opposed uh-huh. to targeting Fusion. your, like, the, the American, like, preferences. Yeah, I mean, the... The size of the menu is really important, okay? So you can go to an authentic Vietnamese or Thai restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's like a book, and it's like so many things. It's overwhelming what to order. And um, so I don't go that route, Okay. okay, because you can't possibly make all of that good, you know, and you can't possibly have prep and do all of that. So I narrow it down to a few dishes Mm -hmm. that 
is known in that cuisine. Okay. Okay, so in Thai food, it's the pad siu, the pad thai, you know, the tom yum and all that. So I concentrate on all those um, dishes. Mm -hmm. And then I want to make sure that it has all the ingredients that is required, okay. uh, authentic ingredients, like from kaffir lime leaf to fish sauce and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I want to stay true and authentic to the ingredients and the basic recipe and the things that people are know about, mm -hmm. okay? So I don't do fusion because then it's like I have to come up with another taste of flavor. Because <laughs> when people want tom yam, they want certain flavor so uh and it's harder to teach my cooks you know okay. how to refusion or whatever so i only do things that i know right. and what i know is how i my mom cooks and okay. how my grandma cooks for me and how it should taste mm -hmm. you know one my number one thing that i do not like when people put too much sugar into asian cuisine and makes it sweet that's not authentic that to me is not authentic. I heard that's like the number one way to attract Americans. Yeah, I, mean, I don't college, think it's necessary. That, yeah, I, I didn't know that I, back in the day. Yeah, but like when I went back there after my mid twenties, I went back to that restaurant. Uh -huh. Like this is so sugary. Like yeah. there's. I think it's a misperception. Yeah. It's, it's it's wrong perception. I think. So I feel like you know. People now travel. Mm. They eat and they see Anthony Bourdain, their street food. They eat it. They know what it's like. It's in their memory. And um, they want that flavor, you right. know. So I just don't go far away from that because I think it's it's how it should be, mm -hmm. you know. So, And I think what distinguishes us is besides a small focus menu, um, we do things a lot faster, okay. the service is better, the environment is cleaner, and we're very professional because we can do catering because most of our customers are in the loop financial business area. Yeah. So we can, you know, they want to order something. We're very technology savvy. So we are super accessible mm. um, where it's not just you know, a little place that you have to call to do pickup, maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I don't have the luxury to have, like, a lot of Asian grandmas cooking in my kitchen. So I have, um, you know, mostly Mexican people and uh, all kinds, even culinary students that are interested in cuisine and stuff like that, you know. So uh, I want to make sure they understand the ingredients and make it simple and the same so they don't make it inconsistent yeah I, i've learned that a lot about the the cooking world is when you choose to add something to the menu add something that is replicatable yeah right like yeah. for me like I, I cook at home well more so i used to and i'm a little bit busy i used to be but i was just like throw something together like this is awesome <laughs> and like i brought stuff to potlucks before and be like this is so great what like where'd you get this recipe and like I just walking through the grocery store. I thought of a couple of things. Uh -huh. I was playing around and put this together. And yeah. I had like good reviews. It, it's replicatable, but like that's really basic. So I make basic cooking skills, but uh -huh. things of that nature, you just kind of like just throw things together is interesting. Uh -huh. So yeah. when you guys do specials, how do you kind of break that down? Is it something that's like you research? Is it something that you like hear from childhood? Like, how do you kind of mm -hmm. add the specials to your small menu? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. Um, that 
that's how I introduce new items okay. to the menu. Uh, because, you know, people say, I went through all your little menu. I ate everything. <laughs> so yeah. what's new? You know, so... Um, and it's also a great way to train the cooks okay. how to do it right. right. And even for me, like Thai cuisine, I don't know everything about Thai cuisine, mm -hmm. but I would research, oh, in the northern region, they do sausages like this, and this is how it should taste, and this and that. So specials will be something that we as, uh, you know, uh, cooks and chef as well, yeah. you know, do research and then put it out there. Okay. Um, so... <clears throat> It's, and also there's some creativity that I let the chef do, you know, like um, it's farmer's market season. Okay. Why don't you put together like a Thai-influenced dish salad mm -hmm. from the farmer's market? So then they allow them some creativity okay. to do that, especially in the Vietnamese side of things because we do a lot of spring rolls, so you can put anything in the spring rolls, yeah. right? So that part is a little bit more... Um, you know, more specials driven than so, the Thai place. Uh, kind of along those lines, right? You said farmer's market, authenticity. My understanding of agriculture, so I went to school for it, is there's different fruits and vegetables in each region of the world. Mm -hmm. So how do you have kind of like authentic things in America that aren't necessarily authentic back in Asia because mm -hmm. of the resources available? Yeah, there is some... Um, you know, good substitute, okay. you know, you can go with the texture okay. of the vegetable. Yeah. If they have the same texture, it will work. Okay. You know, uh, the herbs, I mean, in Chicago, we basically have everything we have in Asia because okay. of a huge, you know, uh, grocery and distributor here. We get everything that we need. But sometimes when we're out of something, we're like, oh, we can use arugula for that. <laughs> you know, so because it has that same texture and peppery taste and um, it will it will do, you know, so. But uh, we don't have to substitute too much. But, you know, like, um, well, the chef made a really interesting dish with, um, like, strawberry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, in... in a dipping sauce that is with galangal, you know, that was like, huh, interesting, you know, it's a, it's a really cool combination, I never thought of that, you right. know, so, it's, it's, and then the other thing too, like in Vietnam, we don't have a lot of lamb, and here, there's a very popular dish in Vietnam called bò luk lak, which is beef, chicken beef, okay. um, but over here, what I did is I substitute with lamb. Okay. And I call it lamb look luck because it has same texture, same, not flavor, but the same idea, but very diff, a little unique twist. Yeah, lamb's actually my favorite protein. Yeah, so. you have to try that dish. It's I really definitely awesome. Mm -hmm. So what kind of motivates you? So you went from a little, you know, hot spot in the French market to four restaurants, mm -hmm. what motivates you to kind of keep growing, keep expanding, keep managing something of that nature? Yeah, I mean, when I got into this business, mm -hmm. I, uh, I didn't really know the reason why I want to do this, right. you know, I just know that it's something I should, I'm going to give it a try, you know, and see where it takes me, right? So as I get into this more and more, you know, I start to learn a lot about my culture. Okay. Because I came to the States when I was 
you know, seven. Okay. So I didn't even know how to read and write Vietnamese. I know I, I can speak it. I, I grew up there. I know I have good memory of the food and the environment. Interesting, yeah. But, um... But I was confused with the food, actually, because I grew up, I'm a Vietnamese person, grew up in Laos, live in Thailand, never been to Vietnam, came to the States, okay. live in Kentucky, you know, and, you know, all of that wow. stuff. So I was like, and then when I get into this business, I'm like, wow, okay, this is not Vietnamese food. This is, you know, sticky rice is used mostly in Thai cuisine, but Vietnamese food is not used as much, yeah. you know. So, um, and there's broken rice, and there's pho and pho is really Vietnamese it's not you know so I kind of like relearning all of this through my culture and traveling back and learning what Vietnam is really about what Thailand's about what Laos is about and connecting to my roots right. so this business really kind of opened my eyes to, to my culture my cuisine and what I love the most is people mm. accepting my culture cuisine through my food okay. you know and that's amazing to me that people love that and that's kind of like my thing it's like I came here I assimilated into this country now I'm trying to connect back to <clears throat> my cuisine my you know culture and people are loving this so I feel like very accepted mm -hmm. you know in in a different way awesome it seems so fantastic like so are, what are your goals kind of moving forward then? Like you're obviously successful in corporate career, successful in restaurant business. It's evident people really appreciate you that you work at because mm -hmm. they're loyal, you know, employees. Are you looking to expand to other cities? Are you looking to expand to other locations here in Chicago? What's kind of on the docket for you that you can talk about? Yeah, there's, there's so much potential mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of Asian brands out there. Okay. I mean, you just know this you know pf chang panda express and that's that's about it right i can't eat those i, can't eat those <laughs> I, mean, I, I will in a pinch uh-huh um, last i went to pf chang's uh -huh. i was with a friend who is from china originally uh -huh. that came yeah. here after school and i made a joke i said hey like let's go to dinner i'll take you to an authentic chinese restaurant mm -hmm. and she was oh she's like impressed i'm like pf chang's Huge joke on my end. Uh -huh. Anyone who goes, okay, we go there. She orders sushi, uh -huh. and I order some sugar-filled, like... Mm -hmm. Too sweet. Yeah, again. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I feel like people like going there. Like, mm -hmm. I've, I've been Americanized forever, but I also had <laughs> yeah. a lot more recent access to uh -huh. non-Americanized Asian food. And I, I see the, the draw there, yeah, but it's just yeah. not somewhere I would choose to go to. I mean, I really yeah. admire that they can do that. It's yeah. like, it's really hard to convert people to Asian cuisine from the mainstream mm -hmm. because, you know, probably less than 10% of the population is interested in there. Most of them want burgers and pizzas and steaks and right. So there's a lot of that. So you have a small percentage of people who actually crave and interested in it and, um, so the brand is, there's so much potential to me, yeah. you know, to capture that craving, but also converting yes. the other group to this cuisine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my goal is not just to get my name out there, um, and con but converting people to the cuisine because there's a lot of great benefits mm -hmm. in, in Vietnamese cuisine. It's one of the healthiest cuisine in the world. It, you know, 
lots of gluten-free option, lots of like, um, not a lot of fat, not a lot of dairy. It's excellent. It's yes. really good for you too. And I see it in my hospital location at Northwestern Memorial. Mm. Most of the people in there are not all Asian, you know, they're never heard of Vietnamese cuisine before. And I just love talking to them about it. And then yeah. they're like, oh, I love this. This is so good. What is this? You know, so it's kind of fulfilling to see that. Yeah, it's like really interesting in that regard too. I mean, if you think about, as you were kind of touching on the different locations in Thai, Laotian, Vietnamese, different locations, I definitely see that mirrored here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Go to the South, barbecue. Go to the coast, seafood. Mm -hmm. Go to the Midwest, cooking out. Mm -hmm. Things of that That's nature. True. So, like, from, like, let's just say a basic example. An American coming into your restaurant, what are they kind of expecting to experience in those regions for you, right? Are they experiencing what's hot? Like, are they, like, do a parallel when you come to the U.S., and you have some food, you're getting southern, midwestern, mm -hmm. coastal food. When you're getting food at your place, is it all across the board? Is it what's popular? What kind of food are they... What's popular. Okay. Yeah. I stick with the what's popular because even for me, if I go to a restaurant, a Vietnamese restaurant, Thai, I... I always order for spring roll, you know, because I crave that. And I don't care about the other 99% of the stuff. So why don't we just give people what they crave and what they want. Because right. we try with the specials, we try to do like those unusual dishes. People don't order it, it's once in a blue moon, so mm -hmm. you're wasting prep time, products, just wasting that. You just make it as a special on a weekend, so there's more people to choose from. But weeknights, people just want the standard comfort thing that they know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've mentioned this multiple times on my podcast. Like, when I've walked into a restaurant uh -huh. where it's choose one through 300, <laughs> yeah. I say, if I'm with someone else, I say, oh, like, I'm going to the bathroom or... Oh, I wear like glasses. Like I wear glasses sometimes, yeah. so I, I can see without them. Just because I don't want to read it. Like, <laughs> yes. It is an absolute waste of my time. Yeah, it's really to choose so something so ridiculous. Yeah. And know. like for me, a lot of times I'll just look at like what's special or what's recommended mm -hmm. because that's what they're going to do yeah. the best. And I just can't imagine. I can't imagine because mm -hmm. I've been there. Like just prepping for all those things mm -hmm. and then trying to remember how to make that perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's just like. I would rather, like, it, it's kind of like the, the Bruce Lee quote, right? Where he says, I don't fear the man who's done one kick 10,000 times. I fear the man who's done one kick 10,000 times, right? So I want to go to a restaurant where the guy knows how to make it perfectly. Uh -huh. That's authentic. Then uh -huh. there's something there. Like, if I want something inauthentic, like, I can go grab some takeout or yeah. McDonald's or something, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, for me, being a foodie, I want to, like, focus on restaurants that actually give me the fulfillment from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. You you get afraid, you know, I'm afraid to order the wrong thing, right? I yeah. just wasted $35 on this terrible dish that I thought was cool. I, I've <laughs> never sent, I've sent one thing back ever. Uh -huh. It was a drink on a anniversary dinner oh. because it had mezcal on it, like oh, the alcohol, yeah, and like I, I can't handle it. Oh, right? really? I felt so it's bad about smoky, it. yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I'd rather say than that, but I've been with people who send back anything. Uh-huh. Like, not going to give the example, but I was with someone who sent back tea that they ordered at a restaurant on a lunch, uh -huh. on a business lunch. Yeah. Because it was too sweet. And I'm like, 
Yeah. They get on one sip and they send it back. I'm like, that's hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, I would like blame myself because mm-hmm. I was like oh I didn't know this is supposed to be like this and it's not as now if I know the dish yeah. and they're done they'd like make it too salty and it's like totally like off right I would turn that, that back yeah is the other stuff like it's like I, I made that decision it's my responsibility if, if, so. if, yeah, if, it's, yeah. if it's done well uh huh suck it up if yeah it's a, if it's you ask for like a, a well steak and it's Char grilled rare. Yeah. Send it back. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I feel that way too. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you like totally screwed this up or it's cold sure. or something. Yeah. But yeah. kind of given that, right? Like, what kind of people would you recommend to attend your restaurant? Are you ta- are you targeting the I want McDonald's at lunch? Are you mm-hmm. targeting the business professional? What kind of people like make sense to, like sub into your restaurant? I say right now where I'm located is definitely the business professionals, okay. you know, who um, who who want something different that's mm-hmm. not just cheap, like a little bit more quality right. and um, different. Because they crave it, you know. So um, definitely, business professional. I don't think like being in a residential area where people don't eat lunch very much, or like area where there's not a lot of people around. Like I said, we're in Asian, so to convert those people to us yeah. would take a, a much longer time. Okay. Yeah, but I think if we go to a place where there's, you know hundreds of people, there's going to be like 10% of those people who are going to be interested in what we do. So mm-hmm. the, the cast is wider. I need, I need that kind of group where, you know, because not every single person is going to eat this food. Right, and I'm sure it's like a revolving door. Like, people don't come there every day. Some do, some don't, right? And some try it. Like, I literally was telling you before we got on the air, like, I meant to have lunch there. And then my friend who was going to meet me just didn't show up. <laughs> so I just, like, walked back to my office because I was so, like, distressed because, like, <laughs> I'm not going to, like, take it. It was, like, a five-minute wait or something, right? Uh-huh. I, I told your, your manager, I'm like, I'm not going to take a table, like, by myself, like, sitting here. You, know, <laughs> you guys have better customers than me, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It, I forgot what his name was. He's a great guy. But anyways, you know, it, it just makes so much sense, like, just targeting the right kind of people. Some people run restaurants, businesses, saying, everyone's going to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, no, you need to target the right people, mm-hmm. optimize them, can't mm-hmm. please everyone. Do you agree with that kind of statement? Of course, yeah, yeah, definitely. But you can't ignore the trend, too, you Fair. know? Like, when we first opened the Thai restaurant, I have... Um, you know, cooks and chefs that's really strict. What well, we need to be so authentic that we can't do things without fish sauce, you know. Really? Okay. We can't do things that's not gluten free because then we're going against the authenticity. <laughs> and then we're like, you're pissing off a lot of people. They walk out, they're like, I can't believe you just can't make that little change. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what? There are people who really have a problem with gluten free and stuff. We can make that work. Instead of using soy, we can use a different product or, you know, um, gluten free soy, you know, that kind of thing. It may be a little bit different in taste, but the whole component is there. So I would, you know, I would definitely um, consider uh, what the trend is, what people want. Mm-hmm. Because if you turn them away, you're losing customers. Given that, 
it seems like you're pretty big into feedback, right? You mentioned three or four times people walking out or being uh-huh. satisfied or yourself in that situation. How do you, as the restaurant owner, kind of tackle that problem to avoid that ever again? Are you looking at Yelp reviews? Are you going on other review sites? Like, mm-hmm. what, how are you personally handling that, or is that something you kind of deviate to someone? Um, no, I, I handle that myself okay. for sure because I want to know, you know. I need feedback, right? right. Um, so I feel like, um, you know, I wish I have alerts that tells me all of this, right? Because sometimes I don't see anything and see, I see a Google alert or I happen to be on my Yelp app or my, yeah. you know, happen to be here and there, you know? So I wish that it would be something that alert me, mm-hmm. you know, every time I get a review because then I can go back. So once a month I go and look at it and yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that person was there like three weeks ago, you know, or two weeks ago. I respond not quick enough, you know? So, um, so I like to somehow get that a little quicker. I, I, my, my opinion from mm-hmm. experience, right? Like everyone's obviously different. If someone at the company actually responds to a negative review, like in a non-automated response, mm-hmm. I feel like people really appreciate that, yeah. right? Like, there, like I literally, I'll be honest, I had a really bad experience at a soft opening burger place. Oh yeah. It, Honestly, I cannot imagine a worse experience really? for three people that walked in. Oh, no. And then I, I podcasted about it. I talked about it. And I'll probably go back there because it's like by my friend's place. Yeah. I felt really bad for them. Mm-hmm. But every single person that interacted with us screwed something up. Oh, no. Yeah. And I, I get it because I worked in restaurants. But it's just uh-huh. like I tried to be nice about every step of the way. We tried to be And it's like when even when the manager came out and it's like, Evidently, your two orders were wrong. Mm-hmm. She's been so nice about it. Like, let me write it down. And, like, my friend's like, this other guy also wrote down their two orders exactly. And they still brought out the wrong food twice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you know what happened? Like, it's, it's not going to, you know, prevent me from going back mm-hmm. again. But if I go on there and see my mom's yeah. basement in my underwear, I'm like, <laughs> I you know, this restaurant sucks. They screw yeah, up every order. Like... What do I get from that? Self-opening, yeah. And my advice whenever you see a new restaurant, I do not go there for like at least a month or two because there's so much kinks that have to work out. And it's it's like, you know, you can't really judge until, you know, they're in the I think we probably could not have been nicer to them about everything screwing up. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. Like we order our food and it's like um, a burger place, right? And it's kind of a... A fast casual, and ten seconds after I get my number, some guy hands me a bag. He's like, "Here you go, man." Takes my receipt and my number, and I look in the bag. I'm like, "No, this is not mine." <laughs> now I'm left without a receipt, so I, oh, I can't show what no. I ordered. Yeah. I'm like, "There's no way you guys made my burger in <laughs> ten seconds." Uh huh. Trying to grab a manager, and then they bring out my friend's wrong meal. They bring out my wrong meal. Oh my gosh! And like everything just goes wrong. Like, mm-hmm. and the food was. Would have been great if it was, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of slick, but yeah. You know, it's like, how do you kind of, I guess, really, there things always go wrong every day, mm-hmm. right? How do you personally keep 
the motivation of your uh, like your team kind of positive? Good like, question. someone's gonna say something stupid. Someone's gonna do something. Someone's yeah, gonna drop something. Someone's gonna break something. How do you kind of um, just like, hey team, like let's just kind of bounce yeah. past this? You know, I I confront them mm-hmm. if somebody is, uh, you know not helping the situation or making it worse, I would stop them right then and there and then change the mindset or like take them out of the equation Mm -hmm. because I don't want this to go down further. So it's like throwing fire to the fire, you know? I hate that. So for me, that is the first thing that I look out for. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing is um, just kind of sense, you know, who's... Um, impacted by this or are nervous about it or wanting to talk about it. So I individually talk to them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how does it make you feel? Whatever you you seem concerned, are you thinking, uh, do you know something that I should know or is there something you want to tell me or whatever? And they would tell me, you know, like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just like you just kind of can sense it. But the most important thing is you can't get your ship to go down. Right. So you have to keep the motivation up. You got to fight the, the downers and, you know, all of those and, and, and make sure that the people who are productive do their job. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, you've been very informative. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast might have the itch to open a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Any other last like words of advice you uh-huh. recommend anyone about opening a restaurant, working in a restaurant, managing a restaurant? Uh-huh. Any last words to kind of sum sure, them up with? Sure, sure. Well, um, when people told me it's easy to open the restaurant is harder to keep it open it's so true yeah the whole opening is exciting and all this and oh my god it's so glamorous it's so beautiful then how do you keep it open how do you get people in how do you make sure that your food and this and everything is executed perfectly that's the very hard part you have to work on that all the time and uh second thing is i learned in this business is about optimizing maximizing and improvising <laughs> all the time. Those three things are my friends. I mean, every day I'm like, all right, what do I have to do now? Who's uh, having issues and who's quitting and where do I fill the void and how do I cut costs? How do, you know, how do I make up something? Because we don't have this ingredient. Now do we do, you know? So it's constantly those three things. Evidently your PMP background applied perfectly to the restaurant business. <laughs> Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of fun. I, I was telling people it's like a little, it's like a game, you know, it's, it's, it's not boring every day. It's different. You really expect that for sure. Yeah. That if you, if you don't like to just do the same thing every day and this is not the business. Yeah. Yeah. This, you have to be ready to something new and different every day awesome. uh-huh. yeah well thanks for saying the podcast we appreciate it okay sure no problem absolutely tremendous conversation with mary on this one i can only imagine how hard it is to run one restaurant this woman is running three restaurants <laughs> just absolutely incredible she's actually won numerous accolades for her restaurants throughout chicago so if you have not had a chance to stop into anything, please stop into one of her three restaurants, Saigon Sisters and Bang Chop Thai. I will definitely be there very soon, checking them out. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Mary Wynn Nagani. 
This episode is sponsored by our friends over at StakeHall. StakeHall is a social wagering app for the next generation. With StakeHall, you can easily challenge your friends to games of skill or even be a third-party judge between mutual friends. Stake your hard-earned cash, a night out in the town, or even just your dignity. They strive to be one of the most entertaining and most interactive social wagering platform on the market. StakeHall is an app that you download on the App Store. Uh, right now it's on iOS only, soon to be coming into Android, where you can challenge your friends to some fun games. I've challenged some friends to a game of ping pong. I've challenged some game friends to a round of hot wing eating contests. Right now I'm in the challenge of Movember, things of that nature. Absolutely incredible. Ever have that friend that takes a bet with you and then at the end of the word doesn't want to pay up and says, bro, we never shook hands? No longer a problem with StakeHall. You can put it up on social media, share it with your friends, get a third-party judge, problem solved. Check them out at stakehall.io. That's S-T-A-K-E-H-A-U-L dot I-O. Or go to the iOS and iOS store and download them. Stakehall. Check it out now. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food.